Hey, I want to invite you to stand with me as we look at our text for today. It's John 8, 12, so you can find that in your Bible. It's just one verse, and I'm going to read it now. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Father, we just ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to your word this morning, that you would impress upon us deeply what it actually means that Jesus is the light of the world. And more importantly, that you'll give us a clear path of responding to that truth, to that reality in our daily lives. And we know that we're lost without the light, but we also know we can't walk in the light apart from your Spirit. So Holy Spirit, please, in this space today, illuminate our hearts and our minds to the truth and the reality of God, and let us live into that deeply. Amen. Hey, you can have a seat. So um, recently, I went off, uh, thanks to the generosity and kindness of a wonderful couple in our church, for a time of planning and writing for our coming year. Basically, my goal was to sit down and lay out our messages and and do some other planning from uh, basically October of this year through December of next year. And so this couple has a beautiful cottage. It's up north in, in Ontario, and it's in the middle of nowhere. Now, one thing I've learned over the past 12 months is that Canada has a bunch of middles of nowhere. But, but they're all amazing and they're all beautiful. And this one was no exception. It was gorgeous there. And I got there and I got settled in and we had an elders meeting that night and I got ready to zoom in for that meeting and the power went out. I, to our elders, I swear it really did go out. I wasn't just like, oh, I can't get in. Let's take a nap. But, I, but I, was, I was trying to figure out. So I'm in this panic. I'm sitting there. I'm looking at my computer. The power's gone out. The lights are out. The Wi-Fi's out. There's no cell coverage. And I'm going, how am I going to let them know that I'm not just blowing all them off, that the power actually went out? So I'm thinking to myself, well, I'll just send a text. Oh, wait. No, I won't because there's no Wi-Fi and there's no cell coverage. Oh, I'll send them an email. Again, there's no Wi-Fi. Oh, I'll just drive until I have cell coverage, and then I'll just join the Zoom meeting in my car. But I don't know where I'm going without my maps on my phone, and I can't get the destination in the cottage from the Wi-Fi, with, which is now off, to figure out where to go, and I got no cell coverage. So in my head, I had this picture of me driving down these gravel roads trying to find a place where I could get cell coverage and, and ending up in, in just some wooded area with bears and coyotes chasing me all over the place. So I did the only logical thing that anybody can do when you don't have electricity. Because when we don't have electricity, we're basically incapacitated in this day and age, right? So here I was, I'm in this strange place. There's no light place I didn't know. I couldn't see much of anything. So I did what any normal person would do. I went to bed at 7.30. Now, that was great to be asleep at 7.30. It was horrible at 3.30 when the lights came back on and I was woken up and I couldn't go back to sleep. Um, But here's what I learned. Here's what I learned when the light went out. Light isn't about the light as much as it's about what the light illuminates. Let me say that again. Light isn't so much about the light as it's about what the light illuminates. It wasn't the absence of light that was the problem for me in this, in this cottage as much as it was the fact that I couldn't see. There was no light. I couldn't see. And so I'm walking around in the dark, and when you walk in the dark, what happens? It gets really hard. 
You get, it's scary. You bump into things. You knock stuff over. You break things. Because here's the great benefit of light. Light makes it possible to walk. To walk confidently. To walk comfortably. To walk purposefully. Without stumbling or falling or tripping over things. And we're all walking in a world that is filled with pitfalls and dangers of all sorts. It has plenty of things for us to trip over or to hurt ourselves on. So we all need light. And in our text today, Jesus is revealing the solution to the problem of darkness. But to live into that solution, we have to understand that the light isn't about the light as much as it's about what the light illuminates. To have light and nothing to look upon does us no good. So Jesus saying, I am the light of the world, is revealing a critical truth about who God is, not just to us who believe in him, but to all of humanity. And it should shape and clarify our narrative of God. And that revelation that Jesus gives us in John 8 is that God is light. So look at uh, 1 John 1, verse 5. Same John who wrote the Gospel of John, now in one of his letters to the church, says this. This is the message we have heard from him. He's talking about Jesus. And proclaim to you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. God is light. God is illuminating. Jesus, as God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, is the light of the world. The light that came into the world. And he came to illuminate. He came so that we can see. Now remember I said that the light isn't about the light as much as it's about what the light illuminates. And what does Jesus, the light of the world, actually illuminate? Well, look at the end of verse 12 in John 8. He illuminates life. So with that in mind, I want to show you four things about what it means to the world to have Jesus in it as the light. Then I want to show you what it means for us as his apprentices, for those who actually desire to follow him. So let's start with the four things that it means to the world to have Jesus as the light of the world. And these four things are true for everyone. Whether you have accepted Christ or following him or not, these four things are true of the entire world. First, it means that the world has no other light than him. If there's going to be light in this world, it will be Jesus. So back to John 8, 12. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. It's either Jesus or darkness. There's no other option. There is no other illumination in the world that can keep you from walking in darkness. Self-help or your truth, as our culture likes to call it, our pleasures, our riches, the allure of sin, none of those things can illuminate your walking in this world. You walk in the darkness and you will stumble and you will fall and you will cause damage. Listen to this in Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Do you see that in there? Feet and path. Words that speak to how we walk. God's word is that lamp. 
Jesus is the word of God. We know that from John 1.1. If you want to see where you are stepping and see where you are walking, then you need Jesus as that light. And so here's the second thing that it means that Jesus, to the world, that Jesus is the light of the world in the world. Because we all have to walk in this world, we all need Jesus as our light. There is no other light than Jesus, and we all need Jesus out as that light. Outside of him, there's only darkness. Darkness that leaves you wandering around aimlessly in your life. And that aimless wandering continues into eternity if you're not in him, the light. Here's the third thing that Jesus as the light of the world means. The world was made for light. Listen to this in Colossians 1.16. For by him all things were made in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. All of creation was made to be filled with the light of the world, which is Jesus. All things, this includes us and our lives, exist for him. And so just as a little side note, I want you to think about this. The next time that you feel like you're unwanted or unimportant or unloved or irrelevant, you exist for him. You are made for the light. What that means then is that you will never find any purpose in your life, any true delight, apart from being in him the light. Because everything that is was made for him. Listen to these words from Pastor John Piper about the world being made for the light. The light of Jesus illumines everything with its proper beauty. Without the light of Jesus in our hearts, enabling us to see the world that was made for the light, we can't see the world the way it is in God's eyes. Everything is dark. This world was made to be illumined by this light. The light of Christ is native to the world, not foreign to it. You will never see things as they truly are, including God, yourself, your life, and others without the light, Jesus, illuminating all things for you. The light is about what the light illuminates. You can only see things clearly in the light, Jesus. Now here's the fourth thing that Jesus as the light of the world means for us. One day, this world will be filled with the light of Jesus and there will be no darkness. This truth is reiterated in Revelation 21, verse 23. Listen to this. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine in it, for the glory of God gives it light and its lamp is the Lamb. The lamp is Jesus. The glory of God is Jesus. When the light Jesus came into the world, he revealed sin, the darkness of our fallen state. But one day this light will banish this darkness completely. This includes not only the works of darkness, but the sons of darkness, those who refuse to walk in the light, those who perpetuate evil on humanity and on creation. This is why Jesus referred to hell as outer darkness 
in Matthew 25, 30. And so before we see what all this means for us as his apprentices, those who are following Jesus, I just want to recap quickly what Jesus as the light of the world means for the world, for everyone. So first, the world has no other light than Jesus. Anything else is just a different kind of darkness. It's not light. The second thing, everyone who has ever lived needs Jesus as the light. If you're walking in your own strength, your own understanding, your own desire, or your own will, you are walking in darkness. There's no way around it. The third thing is the world was made for the light. All of creation was made for him. Everything, including you and I, are his. And finally, the day is coming when the world will be filled with the light of Jesus. Now here's my question for you. Knowing that that day is coming, wouldn't it make sense to get your eyes adjusted to the light now? Wouldn't it make sense to acclimate yourself to the light now? And so that brings us to the place of response today. And so we're going to go back to John 8, 12, to the second part of this verse. Listen to this. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. The light coming into the world makes it possible for us to not walk in darkness in sin, in lostness, if we follow the light. And so our response then should be pretty simple, right? Our response to the fact that Jesus is the light of the world should simply be to follow the light so that we do not walk in darkness. But we have to understand what it means to walk in the light. And so the word used for light, or excuse me, for walk here in the Hebrew sense means how you conduct your life. What are you actually doing in your life? How are you living? And so I want to press deeper into this idea in 1 John uh, chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. I'm going to expand one of the verses we read a little bit earlier. We're going to go a little beyond it. But listen to this. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with him, or excuse me, with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So there's two key words I want to press into in these verses right here that help us understand what it means, this idea of walking in the light. The first word is the word practice. And that refers to things that we do that make us the kind of person who can and will walk in the light. So think of practice like in terms of training, like to say run a marathon, for example. What must I do on a regular basis to become the kind of person who could run a marathon? Now apply that idea to your spiritual life. What spiritual practice must I engage in on a regular basis? Practices, disciplines, whatever you want to call it, things like prayer, Bible study, silence, serving others, generosity, seeking the presence of God, all of those things. What must I do on a regular basis to become the kind of person 
that will walk in the light. And so the next word I want to hit for you right here is the word cleanse. So, so that word cleanse is the one I really want to zone in on. It means literally to make spiritually clean, to wipe away all impurity. There's some interesting grammar in the Greek here. Now, I am English grammar is hard enough for me. Greek grammar is like way out there, but I'm going to give it my best shot. The verb for cleanse here in this verse is in Greek what's called the present indicative active tense. A lot of words there. I'm going to break it down to basically what it means if you're like me. I figured this out last week and I had this overwhelming impulse to call my sixth grade English teacher and say, ha, I got one. I don't know that she would let me take that test again though. But here's what it means. Present indicative active means it's an action that's happening in the present moment. And the object, in this case us, is passive. So go a little further. The present action in this verse is the cleansing. The passive object is us. We are presently undergoing a cleansing, but we're passive in it. It's totally the work of the blood of Jesus applied to us. Now here's the deal. This ongoing cleansing process that we are in, that we are passive in, that's being done to us is a process that we call sanctification. The Holy Spirit doing a work in us. But you can't just stop there with sanctification. And I apologize because you're going to have to connect these dots and bring it back. But listen to this in 1 Corinthians 6.11. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Washed, justified, sanctified. In this verse in 1 Corinthians 6 are all past tense. So in John 1, chapter 1, verse 7, we have this present tense sanctification happening. In 1 Corinthians 6, 11, we have this past tense sanctification that has happened. So here's the deal. What does that tell us? It tells us this. Sanctification is a completed action that has been done for us in the name of Jesus by the Holy Spirit. But sanctification is also an ongoing process that is happening in the present moment by the cleansing blood of Jesus and the working of the Holy Spirit. To put it in one sentence, here's what we need to know about walking in the light. Sanctification has been done for me and is being done in me. It has been done and it is being done. And that is critical to understand if we, as apprentices of Jesus, are going to respond to the truth, to the reality that He is the light of the world as we walk in our daily lives. If we're going to follow Jesus and walk in the light, we have a role to play. It's not to sanctify ourselves. The Holy Spirit does that through the blood of Jesus. But our role is to intentionally participate with the Holy Spirit in our sanctification. Now, God is a gentleman. God does not impose or force himself on anyone. And we know that. 
So for us to expect for God to impose his image of his son on me through the process of sanctification without me desiring it is foolish. But because I've been sanctified and I am being sanctified, I need to step into that process. I need to intentionally participate with the Holy Spirit in my sanctification to grow in Christ intentionally. So listen to this in Galatians 5.16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk in this verse is a command. It's an imperative. It's something I must intentionally do. So, Paul, the same Paul who said sanctification is done, it's past tense in 1 Corinthians 6, is now saying, I need to intentionally walk in the present. Which aligns with what John said in 1 John in response to Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. So we have to choose to be a willing participant in the sanctification process. We have to want to walk in the light in the spirit and not seek the desires of darkness or sin or the flesh. See, here's the deal. The Holy Spirit makes me into the kind of person who can walk in the light. As Jesus said, walk in the light. But I have to desire it. I have to participate in it. To walk in the light and to walk away from darkness is to embrace the Holy Spirit empowered work of sanctification as if nothing else in the world mattered. I respond by making sanctification, making being transformed into the image of Christ my greatest desire. If I want anything in this world more than I want the light of this world, that process is not going to unfold as God would have it because he won't impose himself on me. But when I submit to the transforming power of the Holy Spirit in my life, and I become intentional in my participation with the Holy Spirit, then I am being transformed, sanctified, made into the image of Jesus. But listen to me. It all begins with uh, repentance from sin and belief in Jesus. So look at Mark 1, verse 15. The time is fulfilled. This is Jesus speaking at the very beginning of his ministry. He was just baptized. He went out in the wilderness. He came back. Here's his first sermon. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. First thing he said to anybody. Now, repent here is a Greek word, metanoia. And what that word means is to think differently, to change your mind, to think in a different way. In essence, to think the way Jesus thinks, to have the mind of Christ. And believe the Greek word here means to have faith in, to trust in, to lean the full weight of your life on. And so when we repent, we change our minds from seeking self and sin to seeking God. And we believe, we trust in the person of Jesus as the light of the world. Then we've been sanctified. At that moment of repentance and belief, I have been sanctified, just as 1 Corinthians 6.11 says. It's past tense. It's a completed act. 
But here's what else happens in that moment of repentance and belief. The Holy Spirit begins to move in my life and bring me into the process of sanctification. That present tense, ongoing action that I am passive in, that He is doing in me. Listen to this in Romans 12 too. It illustrates this idea very clearly. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, repentance as metanoia in this verse is to say to God, Lord, being conformed to this world is to walk in darkness. I need the mind of Christ to desire the light and walk in it. And belief then becomes the idea of leaning my whole life on him is to say to God, your will, not mine, is what I want to live into because your will, not mine, is good and acceptable and perfect. Repentance and belief in Romans 12 too. And so what happens? When you repent and you believe in Jesus, you are sanctified. Your destination is now heaven, life with God for all eternity. But there's one other thing. You need to want to follow Jesus in this world. See, the light of the world and walking in the light is about how we live, how we conduct our lives. And that choice to walk in the light is our participation in the grace-empowered process of sanctification, the same grace that makes me sanctified in the moment of repentance and belief is sanctifying me in this present moment. The same salvation that sanctified me in the moment of uh, repentance and belief is sanctifying me so that I can seek to follow Jesus and I can walk in the light. And so here's what happens through the process of sanctification. I am becoming the very presence of Christ in this world. And so our response to Jesus as the light of the world then should be to pray prayers of sanctification. Knowing that it's the Holy Spirit that's doing this work in me, knowing that I have to desire it, Prayer becomes the catalyst that changes my mind so that I seek what God is seeking. So that I begin to desire what God desires. Back to that Romans 12.2 idea. And so once I can look and say, Lord, you have sanctified me through my repentance and belief. I am now a saved, redeemed soul. But I want to walk in the light. I want to follow Jesus so that I'm not walking in darkness. Now the problem is, I've got a history that's embedded into me of not walking in the light. Sanctification is peeling that off. It's removing every hurt and every habit and every hang-up that draws me to walk in darkness for the sake of self-preservation, for the sake of fleshly pleasure for the sake of getting my way, for the sake of building an ego, the sanctification process begins to peel all that off by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
But if I am not willing to undergo that process, the Holy Spirit will not impose it on me. And so am I saying that if I'm not changing, I'm not saved? No, I'm not saying that at all. 1 Corinthians 6, 11, you have been sanctified. You've been justified. In that moment, I am a saved person. The question isn't, am I saved? The question is, am I going to live that salvation out here now? Because left to my own devices, I am not capable of living my salvation out in this world. But once I say, Lord, my desire, back to Romans 12, 2, is to test and to prove what is your good and perfect will in my life, in how I walk, in how I conduct my affairs, then I promise you this. You seek that earnestly and the Holy Spirit will do it. But if you don't seek it earnestly, He will not impose it on you. So this is where we get to the place of what is the median, the connection of me walking in this world and being present to the light and the light being present to me. Well, it's prayer. And so when we pray prayers of sanctification, open and transparent prayers to God, to the Spirit, to first renew our minds, and in doing so, to make us the kind of people who can discern God's perfect will, to make us, by the, by the Spirit of God, into people who will walk in the will of God as we walk in the light. When we do that, we are participating in the process of sanctification. We're participating in the ongoing, moment to moment, how will you live your life process of sanctification as the Holy Spirit does that work in us. And so that's what I want to invite you into this week. In this series seven, the I am statements of Jesus, every week we're going to approach prayer in a new way, in a different light. This week I want to invite you into approaching prayer in the idea of I'm going to pray prayers of sanctification. I'm going to go to God and I'm going to look into my heart and let Him look into my heart. I'm going to search my mind and let Him search my mind. And I'm going to be real with God about the places where I actually love the darkness more than I love the light. Because you might think you don't have those, but if you think you don't have those, Ask your spouse where they are. Ask your kids where they are. Ask your co-workers where they are. And they will help illuminate those things for you. We all have those places. But as you do that, you invite God to search your heart, your mind, your soul, and you become real, and you become transparent, and you name those places where you desire the darkness. Here's what's going to happen. God the Spirit will show up in those places. And He will do the work of sanctification in those places. Places you don't want to let go of, but He desires to have. And it's going to feel uncomfortable, and it might even be painful, but still pray into those places. Listen to this quote from Oswald Chambers because he sums up sanctification way better than I ever could. Sanctification is not a question of whether God is willing to sanctify me. Is it my will? Am I willing 
to let God do in me everything that has been made possible through the atonement of the cross of Christ. Am I willing to let Jesus become sanctification to me and to let his life be exhibited in my human flesh? And so here's my question for you. Are you willing? Are you willing as you sit here today to allow the Holy Spirit to do that ongoing present tense action of sanctification in you? Or are you too distracted? Too distracted by the things of the darkness, the things that feed the ego, the things that don't have any purpose beyond this world that you will never see in heaven. They won't exist there. Are you willing? Father, we're so grateful to you that this process of sanctification is something you do because we know we can't do it. We all have moments in our lives with things we wanted to change, things that we knew were unhealthy or bad or wrong or sinful, and we approach those things with willpower and we failed. And just as Jesus said, like a dog returning to the, its vomit, we keep coming back. We keep coming back to those things because we try to resolve them in our strength in our power, in our own light. When the reality is, you as the light of the world, illuminate the truth, the reality that it is your spirit at work in us, sanctifying us. Teach us to be a people who want to participate with what you're doing, not to try to do it ourselves. And so God, I pray that this week as a church, we pray these prayers of deep sanctification in the darkest, deepest places in our own hearts and minds. The things that we cling to, that we think we have to hang on to, otherwise we'll be vulnerable. Well, the reality is, God, until we get vulnerable with you, we're never safe. So teach us to become vulnerable and open and transparent with you so that as your spirit does that work of sanctification in us, we become ultimately and permanently safe in you. And we thank you for the light that invites us to follow and to walk in it. And so, Father, bless our prayers that we pray this week, prayers seeking to be transformed by you by the power of your Spirit. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.